0: Welcome to Funeral Directors Chat, where funeral professionals discuss industry topics, trends, and news. And now your host, Nancy Bourbon.
1: Hi, I'm Nancy Bourbon, your host for Funeral Directors Chat, a podcast providing funeral professionals with insight to current industry topics, news, and trends. Today we'll be discussing the differences between men and women and the impact it has on the funeral services industry. I'm very pleased to present Kim Stacy. She's a friend of mine. She's also a licensed funeral director in the state of California. And more importantly, she's an academically trained anthropologist who studied death rituals around the globe. Seven years ago, Kim took her knowledge out of the college classroom and became a freelance writer. She focused her energy specifically on funeral service, which is her passion. Kim has written website copy for over 1,000 funeral homes in the United States and Canada. She's written trade journal articles for American Funeral Director, American Cemetery, and Mortuary Management. And she has recently, in the year 2009, started the Association of Women Funeral Directors. And then shortly thereafter, widened the scope of the membership in 2010 which necessitated the changing of the name of the organization to the AWFP, the Association of Women Funeral Professionals. And today we're here with Kim to explore the impact of gender stereotypes in the funeral home and the ways that we can counter the often deep-seated biases which limit our potential. Welcome, Kim. Oh, thank you, Nancy. It's wonderful to be here. So Kim, what have you learned in your experience about gender biases in the funeral home setting? Well, you
0: know, it's an interesting question because just recently I've encountered a number of young women who came to me extremely distressed with the fact that they had graduated from Mortuary College, completed their apprenticeships, and were finding it difficult to get a job in funeral homes in their area because honestly, the administrators didn't want women in the funeral home, and they felt that they had been under-advised by their academic instructors as to the difficulties of getting and holding a job as a woman in funeral service. Now, Nancy, you and I both know, because we're of the right age group, that gender bias has existed for a very long time, my whole lifetime, my mother's lifetime. And it's unfortunate that it, continues to limit what people of either gender can do. It compartmentalizes our potential. And my goal is to, to widen our perspective on the value of acceptance. But the differences between men and women are indeed programmed biologically, and we can't really get away with changing our biology, but we can change the way we think about the opposite gender. Um, When you think about it, basically in our culture, women are trained to be more nurturing, we tend to be more communicative, we talk a lot. I remember how many boyfriends have I had who've said, boy, women talk a lot. We look for solutions that please everybody. That's one of the major differences I've seen within the workplace. We seek team-based solutions. Men, on the other hand, they're not as communicative they, they're more isolated and they're more task-oriented. So if you couple those two things, you get one really good team as long as you value the contributions of both halves of the team. That's where I think funeral homes and, and workplaces in general undermine their own productivity because they discount the value of one half of the team.
1: And it goes back many generations, as you probably know. Um, Women actually took care of the dead before the Civil War. And then when the industry became monetized, it was a business for men primarily. And men ran the business with their wives and their daughters helping them. That's right. That's right. Completely uprooted death care, taking it out of the
0: home and into the workplace which relegated women to the back room or to the support positions. I read a wonderful book recently written by the wife of a funeral director at the turn of the century in Indiana. And it's self-published and the family got enough copies to share with one another. But she spoke a lot about going to other people's homes And she was the one carrying in the embalming table and all the supplies while her husband did the embalming. And she was relegated to this. um, My mother used to call it a fetch and toter position Mm -hmm. where you just brought things in and then let the man in the room take center stage. And she had a lot of wonderful stories in this book about mishaps in bringing the embalming materials into the homes of families who had experienced loss. It's a wonderful little book I'd like to get republished on a wider basis. But yes, it's been going on for generations now. Mm -hmm. And it's time for it to stop because it's debilitating to everyone concerned and demoralizing.
1: Yes, it is. Let's be frank, Kim. The insidious effects of gender-based stereotyping are not just limited to women, are they? Oh, for heaven's sake, no, no siree, you know, um, it, it's a
0: two-way street. Unfortunately, men are crippled by the perceptions we have of their behavior as well. Um, and it's it's unfortunate that our culture, and it is a culturally defined entity, every culture has different expectations of the genders. So neither one of us are benefiting by our gender stereotypes. And I'd really love to see everybody making a conscious effort, a mindful effort to to let go of those. Basically, that's what I'm looking for, where all of us can just release gender, Mm -hmm. toss it out on its ear and focus on skill sets and unique potential. Everybody who's listening to this and everybody in the world today has potential, but we, as societies, place limits on potential. And gender bias is one of those limitations. If we could learn to release those through mindful thought, mindful speech and action, we'd all be better off.
1: No, you're absolutely right. In fact, I did a survey on Facebook last week in one of the funeral groups that I'm involved in, and I asked, what is the, what is the one aspect of funeral service that you cringe at, that you don't want to handle, and you'd rather somebody else handle this for you? And invariably, most of the men, I won't cite their names, but most of the men, most of the male funeral directors said they cannot bury children. And if there is somebody that comes in in a horrific accident, they don't want to show any emotion on their face. And it's very difficult for them to deal with the client families. And my response was they you should show emotion. You should have the same, um, you know, the same basic responses that women have. You shouldn't have to hide them.
0: Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but, you know, that flies in the face of uh, cultural expectations. And those are ingrained from the moment we're born. But bottom line, the moment we're seen and wrapped in a pink or blue blanket, we're put in a box. Mm -hmm. And we carry that with us until the day we stop breathing. Fighting against it is just that. It's a fight. And funeral directors, the the men especially, releasing their emotions is hard for them. And I think that's why alcoholism rates are so high Mm -hmm. in the field. I spoke with a gentleman yesterday who is just despondent. And he comments, you know, it's I want to go home and just drink myself into a stupor Mm -hmm. because of the... The high demands placed on him by the client families in excess of what he feels they're paying him for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's challenging. Being human being is challenging enough, but doing this work adds a level of closeness and uh, mm, emotional vulnerability, right. that is hard to deal with on a daily basis.
1: Right. And Kim, you, as an anthropologist, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree with Helen Fisher and the studies of that Jane Goodall did with the chimps in the wild, as you just said about your own son, um, where they look at newborn chimps or other newborn animals and the, ma- the males are looked at for strength training and, you know, can they swing from trees? Can they uh, source food? Where the women are kind of given a, a little bit of a break there.
0: That's Right. That's right. It's odd, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it goes all the way back to that primate level mm-hmm. and different cultures have taken it in different directions. But always you can bet that every culture has boxes Yes. for people. Um, but basically those boxes sub-optimize all of us
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we need to let go of them. And I think you can really, it's not just a philosophical Touchy feely, let's all change and accept one another. It, you can really do this through quantifiable means. And I think the most valuable one is to institute, if your firm doesn't already have performance evaluation processes in place, you need to set them in place and you need to have them be rigorous and completely transparent as it relates to gender focus on the skill sets of the individual not the gender of the individual. Mm-hmm. And then it all comes down to education. Providing your staff with educational opportunities on gender and gender related issues. And I'm not just talking sexual harassment here. That does occur in any workplace where there are men and women, but that's that's the bottom of the pile For me it's the latent influences of stereotyping that affect the quality of life in the workplace mm-hmm. and the quality of the client family experience
1: right Now you can um, you can I mean there are many good tools out there there are many great trainers uh, Robin Heppel does a great training. Bill Bates with his life appreciation training does a great training and they travel around the country and they do try to resolve these issues within the funeral workplace. Um, and, and they bring men and women together um, and they basically share like what their roles are, what their expectations are and how can we work as a team to better serve the client family? How can we celebrate this life? Because at the end of the day, it's not about I cannot lift a body and you can, and I can put makeup on better than you can. It's about serving the client family and celebrating a life which has just passed. And we need to keep that in the forefront of our mind always when serving client families. It's not about us. It's about them. And it's about providing great service. Do you agree?
0: Oh, well said. Beautifully said. It all comes down to that, the client family experience. Because that's what leads, of course, to repeat calls and referrals. Yes. If you really want to get down to the bottom line, but we all know that the bottom line isn't essential. What's really important is what you do to help that client family in the moment.
1: Very well spoken, yes. How does the AWFP hope to combat gender bias in the workplace? I know you have some really great theories on these. Could you share them with us? I would love to. Basically, you know, it's all about education
0: and Wearing the other, people's, the other person's shoe for a while, if you can. Um, you know, when you live inside a box, the box gets really small after a while. And education opens that up and you lead a, a better life. Learning is the key to happiness in my mind's eye. <sighs> and what do these women bring to the energy of a funeral home? Well... If you want to go to the Chinese, the yin and the yang, they bring an energy that many client families really appreciate, that softer, more subtle energy. Women's energies are different. Yes, they're not better. They're not worse. They're just different, and they complement male energies. And
1: recognizing that. That's what it's all about. Recognizing it and honoring it. And people resonate differently. Many of your prospects will come to your firm simply because you have a feminine presence.
0: I agree. I really do. And not just in the support staff, but in the front, in the the client arrangement rooms, pre-need counselors. Some of the most successful women I know are pre-need counselors and grief support people. Mm -hmm. Those are the women that make a difference in the funeral home, the licensed directors. I've spoken with a lot of licensed embalmers who, even though the family never sees them, they've contributed to the quality of experience through the expression of their basic
1: characteristics of detail And compassion. Absolutely. And Kim, just to reiterate what we were speaking about earlier, you you look at the world a little bit differently. You look at it as an anthropologist, and your lens is right now focused on the funeral home setting. But that's not to say that there are absolutely wonderful, caring, giving funeral directors who are male. And some of them are, you know, Beecham McDougald, um, Dennis Digger McGee, uh, Marty Flagg. Wally Hobbs, um, I I can go on and on. And of course, Robin Heppel, Bill Bates, their companies that go into funeral homes and train them to use, as you said, the yin and the yang, um, and to work together to make it a memorable experience. It's so important because they teach you things in mortuary school, but what they don't teach you is um, how do women handle embalming? How do men handle caretaking? Um, When the roles need to be switched, how do we do that exactly? And what kind of skill set do we need to put on a different hat and serve a different need? That's right. Boy, very
0: well said. I was thinking back to uh, you know, all the gentlemen you mentioned and the literally hundreds of men, funeral service professionals I've spoken with as a website copywriter, wonderful people The work that they do, I don't care whether you're male or female, it's important work. Society needs you. They undervalue the work you're doing. And that to me is one of the biggest problems we're facing is that most of the people in our society don't value the work you do until they need you. Right. And that's a hard place to be day after day. And then on the other side of the coin, I'm thinking about the women I've spoken to. Sharon Mace of Special Touch Funeral Service in Dublin, California. She's an older woman. She's 58. We're in the same ballpark. And she is a one-woman firm, and she's doing things her way and making a difference in her community. Joan Billman of Fleming Billman, in Ohio. Mm -hmm. She's a phenomenally powerful woman in her state associations. You know, they're they're, they're just so
1: unique. Every one of us brings something special to this field. And let's not forget Nancy Lohman in Florida, who, um, as as history uh, tells us, married a funeral director who wanted to get out of the business. And instead of doing that, She increased the business. I believe she has about, her and her husband have about 30 funeral homes and crematories. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. She's phenomenal. I got to work with her on a website project,
1: and she's just awe-inspiring, no doubt about it. And Kim, that brings us back to you. The reason you founded this association was, let's face it, women are underserved in the funeral profession, and you made it your uh, life mission at this point in your life to try to help them, to mentor them, to provide education, to provide advice. Um, tell us a little bit. We're going to take a couple questions from the audience, but tell us a little bit about why you founded this association. Uh, basically, I started this organization because I
0: saw that women were struggling in the funeral home setting. Having spoken with a number of women in funeral homes as part of the website copywriting process interviewing them for their biographies online that sort of thing i heard a lot of frustration and a lot of anxiety about what the future would hold yes indeed there are more women in mortuary college but i'd like to know the statistics for attrition i think there are a lot of graduates of programs but that doesn't necessarily translate to more women in the workplace. So I saw that certainly with the background I have in life coaching, I've worked with a lot of life coaches, I've learned that giving someone support doesn't necessarily mean telling them what to do. It just means providing them with the resources that they could use and the self-confidence to choose to use them so it was it's a social experiment i'm finding that the association is growing every day there's more and more interest in it so i feel we're on the right track we're now setting up regional and state representatives so we can get more of a grassroots energy going as opposed to internet only. So a lot of things are changing for us as an organization, but I feel there's a need, a strong need here. I get a lot of thank yous from women for starting the organization, and they feel stronger just knowing they're part of a support network of other women.
1: That's great. And I heard a lot of really positive comments at the ICCFA about you and about your organization, and especially the mentoring program? Well, that's one of my favorite things to do is
0: the mentoring of both young and middle-aged women coming into the profession. It's fascinating how many women come back to their original desires in their Late 40s and early 50s, they've raised their families. They've now decided this is the time. I'm going back to Mortuary College. And then they find themselves in a classroom full of very young people. Mm -hmm. And they feel a little overwhelmed by that. So providing mentoring to the older student is just as rewarding as the 18-year-old who's coming into the Mortuary College classroom and facing some major hurdles academic hurdles. I'm also really thrilled with our mastermind groups. Tell us about that. Well, you know, we all get together. Uh, Women with five years or more experience in the field are our predominant members, but we're not holding tight to that rule. A mastermind group is designed to support you in achieving goals. It's not a, a support group in the sense of emotional support, but provides you with brainstorming. I liken it to the Vulcan mind meld from the Star Trek days. We all put our mind together and focus on one goal for each member, how they can achieve it. It's six weeks of intense weekly phone conversations and accountability calls with your accountability partner so that at the end of the six weeks, you've achieved one or
1: more of the goals you set out. Great. That's right. That sounds really inspiring. Now, um, let's get back to um, you help women find jobs and scholarships and, and, and the like. And I have two um, funeral director chat members who, uh, who sent me questions that they would like me to ask you. And as of Sunday, um, the beginning of April, the job market, it looks like it's we're getting more jobs back, but actually over 90% of those jobs go, are going to men, and only 10% are going to women. And as I understand it from speaking to a few women before this podcast, that's pretty much the same statistics that they're seeing in the funeral service industry. So mm-hmm. I have I have two questions from two different women from different parts of the country, and I'd like to um, get your get your mindset on this. The first okay. okay? The first mm-hmm. is, The first is from Rebecca Casper. She works at Crespo and Gerald's Funeral and Cremation Services in Texas. She studied mortuary science at Commonwealth Institute of Funeral Service. And she currently lives in Highlands, Texas. And this is what she'd like to know. She says, Kim, I would like to know what types of scholarships are out there to get back into college. I started going to Commonwealth Institute in Houston, Texas. And because of circumstances, I had to withdraw. I already had to uh, get two student loans and have done FASFA, F-A-S-F-A. Now, at this point, I don't have the money to get back to finish my college degree, and I only have three terms left. The biggest reason is I have three kids, and I need all the financial help I can get. Any suggestions, Kim? Oh, you know, um, she's in a tough position, no
0: doubt about it. And basically, student loans are a hole you just don't want to dig any deeper. I would advise... Two things, going online is a great source for potential applications for scholarships. There's a variety of scholarships and I would go for the low end scholarships and get as many of them as you could rather than the more expansive $10,000 scholarships go for five, $2,000 ones. But basically I would go online The AWFP just posted their first scholarship. It's only for $500, but it's a great start. I put it out there in honor of my mother, and I think it ties in with this topic perfectly. I mentioned earlier in the the broadcast that she passed away due to incipient alcoholism because of acute frustration for never living up to her own personal potential. And in honor of Rosemary Stacy, I've started the Rosemary Stacy Memorial Scholarship and I'm so proud to have done that for her.
1: That's wonderful. The second question comes from Patricia McGrain Johnson. I happen to know Patricia and she's a wonderful lady. She lives on Long Island in West Babylon, New York, and she did her internship at Frederick J. Chaffee, C-H-A-P-E-Y, and Sons Funeral Home. She studied mortuary science and also has an educational degree from Nassau Community College, which is on Long Island. She interned from June 2007 to 2008. There was not a position available at the funeral home that she interned at, and she has yet to find work. One of the perceived problems is that she has um, a hearing disability and she feels that just by seeing the hearing aid or knowing that she has a hearing disability, that she is at a uh, liability when she competes against uh, younger people and other people who have no such problems. What What would you suggest that Patricia do in the meantime? Because she has such a passion for funeral service and she really needs to get back in there. Well, basically, you know, at this point, I can imagine she's fairly demoralized.
0: That's a long time to be without a position in the field that you love. And it's a common theme I hear from many of the women I speak to every week. They can't find a job, they're ready to throw in the towel and become a security guard. Mm-hmm. Basically, picking yourself up. Getting yourself out into the funeral home community, visiting every funeral home in your area within a reasonable commuting distance, getting to know the funeral home owners, letting them get to know you. And after that fact, you present yourself as a potential freelance funeral director, This is a model that's working really well for many of our members. They are on call. When a funeral home has an employee who's taking a vacation, they can fill in on a temporary basis, whether it be a 24-hour period or a two-week period. The freelance funeral director is a big commodity these days because funeral directors need rest and recreation and especially these firms owned by one or maybe two partners, they're overworked and they get burned out. So providing them with freelance services is a great way to get your foot in the door. And then when a position opens, you can choose to accept it or not. And certainly my third option here in California the model of outsourcing your work allows people to start a funeral service, not your typical funeral home, but a funeral service in a smaller locale. And you can own your own firm and do things your way. This is the model that Sharon Mace uses for a special touch funeral service in Dublin. I wrote a column on her for mortuary management this month, and she's got a phenomenally successful small business. That may be an option for Rhode Island and New York. I'm not sure.
1: Now, you said she outsources so that she She, would That's right. She outsources everything.
0: Her uh, crematory is in San Leandro. Her embalmer is in San Jose, she operates her business out of a tech center in Dublin. It's a little little tiny firm, probably the size of, you know, your living room. Sharon's firm is I would say about the size of my office. It's very small, very homey. You can see pictures of her facility online at her website, a special touchfuneralservice.com if you're interested in looking but it's it's small. It has not got a visitation room. It has not got a prep room. She outsources her cremations and her embalming. It's all done off-site. And it's working.
1: And how does she attract clients?
0: Well, she's got a very strong networking and... Educational program going on. She does a lot of senior fairs. Okay. She also is part of Rotary. She does a lot of things with the Rotary, and she—it's uh, all
1: word of mouth primarily. She's got a high rate of client satisfaction. That's great. That's really wonderful. Okay, Kim. Um, how about uh, wrapping this up with just a few sentences on what you hope, what your goals are going forward in 2011 with the AWFP? And then also give us some information on how women or men listening to this broadcast can get in touch with you.
0: Well, my goals for 2011, bottom line, to grow our membership. And one of the ways I'm doing that is by getting in touch with women in every single state who would like to be a regional or state coordinator so we can have more live events local live events where women can come together to learn from one another and and just support one another. One of the other goals I have has to do with the website that was recently redesigned. I'm doing my utmost to cultivate a strong library of content which would be valuable to funeral directors of both genders to educate and inform to open lines of communication through the blog, our Facebook page. We have well over 500 fans on our Facebook page, which doesn't sound like much, but I'm still very proud of it because we've got a really good dialogue going between the blog and the Facebook. And we also have a LinkedIn group. So between the three, we're getting funeral professionals of both genders just talking in settings that are potentially rewarding. Potentially. Yeah.
1: Kim, uh, what is the website? Because it's not AWFP. It's uh could you tell us what the website is? I I certainly can. It's
0: WFPconnect.com and I came up with an acronym that might work. Wendy Francine Paula connect.com, Women Funeral Professionalsconnect.com.: Great, great. And what is your motto? Strengthening the presence of women in funeral service. I'm very pleased with that. That just gives me the chills every time I say it. If I can achieve one small measure of my intended goal, I'll be thrilled. Yeah,
1: you know, and you're providing a very valuable resource. And we encourage everyone, men and women, at any level in their career in funeral service to um, go to Kim's uh, website and also to her Facebook page and become one of her fans. I know that a lot of, we cross over, we have a lot of people on Funeral Directors Chat who are also fans of Kim's, and I'd like to encourage more people to visit her Facebook page and her website and um, read some of the content, because it's really good, it's very informative, and it's very cutting edge, especially the uh, articles she writes for um, Mortuary Management and American Funeral Director. Very well done. She's a great writer. Well, thank you so much. You know, I have to comment. Just briefly,
0: the April, no, the March issue of American Funeral Director had an article by me about me called Diary of a Funeral Service Dilettante. And every time I say that, I get a little titillated. That sounds interesting, but it also sounds a little bit discouraging. I am not a dilettante in the the traditional sense of the word, The article, in essence, is about licensing standards. Okay. So don't be dismayed by the title. Go in for the meat. The title has very little to do with the content. Yes, my picture is on the article. But bottom line, licensing standards nationwide is the
1: focus of the article. And it's a very good article as well. And it it provides some very valuable information. Thank you. So thank you so much, Kim, for joining me today and for encouraging women uh, every single day of your life, encouraging and mentoring women in the funeral service profession. You uh, provide such a valuable uh, resource for for all of us, men, women. And um, from an anthropology point of view, you've really put a good focus on why the differences are there without assigning blame. So I thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Terrific. And, um... Contact him if you need any any information for any reason. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Ordering cremation urns for your funeral home is easy with unitedpriority.com. Email your client an urn description from our website or receive tier pricing when ordering more than one item. Help your clients find the right urn with
0: unitedpriority.com.